0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We need to do this together because we need together to survive. We need together to thrive. Come on, we all know this. We need this together deal just to survive. That's the reason in the Bible, you'll get a couple of chapters into the book and you'll see God making a very clear declaration that, that you were created to do life within the context of relationships, community, come on, to do this together. He created Adam and he created the heavens and the earth and he set stars into space. He put birds in the air, fish in the sea, the giraffe is prancing around. He had a little bit of leftover kind of you know material, so he made the Shih Tzu and... Um, <laughs> And he looks at man and he makes, a, makes an observation. Hey, I, I've got no issue with man that I've created. I made him in my image to know me and to be known by me. But there is something missing in this picture. You know, it's not good for man to be alone because I made you in my image. And I, God, am by definition a relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You being alone, this is not right. So he created Eve to be a partner, to be a friend. In doing so, declaring a truth that resonates still to this day, that we can't do life alone. Come on, we need to do this together. That's the reason in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the proverbist, the writer of Ecclesiastes would make a reflection about how two are always better than one. A lot of us have heard that scripture before, quoted at a wedding ceremony. You've got to understand that that scripture wasn't penned or written for the sake of marriage ceremonies. No, this was just a declaration about life. Two are always better than one. When one is by themselves, they get overpowered. When one is by themselves, they get cold at night. When one is by themselves, they fall down and no one is there to help them get up. But when two come together, when we do life, come on together. When we get attacked, there is someone there to back us up. When we fall down, there's someone there to pick us up. When we get cold, remember back in the day before global warming, when it used to get cold every now and then? But back in the day when it gets cold, got cold, we would have someone there to keep us warm. Come on, two are always better than one. God made this declaration for us just to survive in life. We need to do this together. That's the reason in Psalm chapter 68, the writer of that psalm would make this this observation about God's intention, God's plan, God's prophetic desire for all of our lives to be lifted out of our solitary place and to be set into a family because God understood that we need together just to survive. We need connection, we need community, we need to find ourselves bound by the thread of unity just to survive. Come on, we need to do this deal together. Yes. You don 't even have to be a Christian or a Jesus follower or a Bible believer to instinctively instinctively know this to be true. You, you just think about just life, think about society, think about How we punish people who break the laws of society, we take them away from the community and set them into a jail. How do we punish someone within the jail system? We take them out of that jail and we put them in solitary confinement. Why is that such a punishment? Because it is instinctive, it is intuitive, it is our most core and and basic desire, come on, to know and to be known, to do life together, and we take that away from someone, we begin to die because we were created by God to know Him and to be known by Him, but to also do this life together. That's the reason everyone here in this room in some way, shape, or form is addicted to social media, because we desire to know and to be known. We want to do life together. We can be threatened with fines of up to $400 and a loss of six demerit points if you check your mobile phone while you're driving, but you still do it. Why? You can't handle not seeing that text or that message from someone talking to you, connecting with you. You can't handle that 15-minute drive to school without seeing what someone else had for breakfast on Instagram. You can't handle the thought of sitting in traffic for 10 minutes and not seeing if someone has tweeted about you or mentioned you on Facebook. The reason we are so drawn to these platforms of social media is because it is instinctive. It is intuitive. There is something inside every human being that wants to know and be known because we were created to do life together. Come on, we need together just to survive. Even the Lone Ranger instinctively knew that he needed Tonto. Come on, we need together to survive. Not only do we need together to survive, we as a people of God need together to thrive. We need together to thrive. Like I said before, a well-crafted vision statement, a beautifully penned mission statement, really just becomes another fantasy, another picture of a preferred future we never see with our own eyes if we don't understand that for us to thrive as a people, we, may, we, we must make a decision, come on, to do it together. Because we need together to survive, but we also need together to thrive. That's the reason in, in the Scriptures it's made very, very clear. In Psalm chapter 92, those who are planted in the house of God, come on, will see their lives flourish. When you find yourself not only connected to the root system that is the God of this universe, His Holy Spirit dwelling amongst us, Jesus who was our friend, but also with one another within the house of God, when we get connected in such a manner, we by default begin to thrive. That's the reason in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is saying, you can't do life alone because you are one big body with many parts. You can't do this solo. This whole life thing, It is a group project. You can't be an ear saying to the eye, you're not required. You can't be a hand saying to the foot, you're ugly, hide away. No. Every member of the body needs one another. We were created by the plan and the will, the design and the destiny of God to do life in synergy. I'm here by you. You're there by me. And as we work together, come on, we do life together, we begin to operate and function like the strong, synergetic body we were meant to be. Come on, we need to do this together. Together really is what it's all about at the end of the day. It all hangs on this. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says, I've got a new command for you. Or in other words, if you weren't paying attention up to this point, now it's time to switch on. If you weren't, like, kind of, you know, really engaged up to this point, now it's time to lean in. I've got a new command for you love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. It's by this everyone would know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Are you hearing what Jesus is saying? Are you smelling what he's cooking? Are you catching what he's flinging? He's letting you know. It's by this everyone would know that you are my disciples. Not the songs that you sing or the sermons that you preach or the smoke that you pump out into an auditorium. It's not going to be to the conferences that you run or the CDs that you record or the books that you write. All of those things will be subordinate to that which would resonate louder about us as a people of God than anything else. Us understanding we were meant to do life together. It's by this everyone would know that you're my disciples. That's the reason in Psalm uh, 133, the psalmist says that's the reason God gets especially pumped when he sees brothers and sisters doing life together, when they understand that they need together to survive and they need together to thrive. That's the reason the psalmist says in that situation, God can't help but command a blessing. Or in other words, put his hand upon something and say, I'm all about this, because they get it. They need together to thrive. For them to do what God has called them to do. For them to experience his grace and his goodness, his power and his mercy, like God wants them to experience it. They can't just be a group of people who gather from the four corners of this great city once a week to hear another talk, to sing a couple of songs, to drink some good coffee and then just go home. It must be deeper. It must be richer. It must be more profound they need to understand for them to continue to thrive they need to do this together. So in the light of that what I want to do is just for a few moments explore the scriptures about how we do this together to greater degrees and to greater dimensions. How do we in a practical way week in week out bind and knit together more and more. And these these principles will be pertinent and poignant for people here with husbands and wives and with children, with our moms and our dads, with people within the workplace, within our university or our school. But as well as that, this would be a challenge to us as a people of God who have made a decision to do this life together here at Victory Church. I just want to make a few observations from a very simple scripture that I find personally challenging and then I would dare you to shape them into challenges for your heart that we would live out with our lives. The, the, the passage that I want to look at um, this week is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. If you got your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10? I'm going to be looking at a couple of verses. Hebrews chapter 10. If you're taking down notes this morning, now's a good time to pull out your notebooks and your pens or your pencils. I'm a bit old school. That's how I jot down things while I'm at church. Statistics have shown that you have a a much greater chance of going to heaven if you take notes during the preaching. That's not in the Bible. I just made that up. If you have an iPhone or an iPad or an iPod, you can pull that out and thank the Lord Jesus for Steve Jobs as you do so. It's a wonderful piece of technology. If you have like an Android or a Samsung or a BlackBerry device, put it away. I've got nothing for you from this point on. If you've got a tattoo gun like, and some spare space on your chest or your thigh, and you just want to just etch some things onto your skin that might change your life, now's a good time to warm up that tattoo gun. I just want to make a few simple observations and shape them into challenges, not only for you, but also for me regarding how we, to greater degrees and greater dimensions, can do this whole thing together better. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. The Bible says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and doing this all the more, as we see the day approaching, I love this scripture it 's found in Hebrews chapter 10, and Hebrews chapter 10, to give you the background, is an amazing piece of literature, um, a, a, just from a pure understanding what this Christianity deal is about. Hebrews chapter 10 has the writer of Hebrews just talking about what the gospel is, what the good news is, what's the message of Jesus, what's the deal with Christianity. So many people wonder, so many people ponder. These Christians, just people who have had an intellectual lobotomy, who believe something in the sky like Santa Claus and like the Easter bunny. Is that, is that what, is that what um, you know, Christianity is about? Or is, is Christianity just another religion, another path to try to get somewhere? And it's basically all different paths leading to the same place. And here in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer answers those questions. He says, no, Christianity isn't just a figment of an imagination, it's the answer to the human soul. That we know that there's someone out there, and since the beginning of time, humanity has tried to get to that someone or somebody out there, but have always felt that they've fallen short. So God in His goodness, God in His grace, makes up the space and sends His Son Jesus to get to us. I've said it before, you don't have to climb to God. Christianity declares, the good news says, God climbed to us. And as God embraces us in grace that is actually that amazing, we begin to live life that we were destined to live. Now, the writer of Hebrews is unpackaging this beautiful gospel again. And he's making this observation, really is asking this question. Now, in the light of this good news, how do we live life? How do we now live our lives not only just hoarding this good news, but now sharing this good news? How do we live life not just getting from point A through to point B, but making sure our lives become a glorious symphony? How do we do this? And his first port of call is addressing us doing this life together. We need one another because the writer of Hebrews understood we need together to survive and we need together to thrive. And this is how he practically breaks that down. He says, so let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Don't give up meeting together. A lot of people get into that habit. They get isolated. They find themselves alone. No, but make sure that you encourage one another and do this all the way through your life. Until you see Jesus coming through the clouds or you go to the clouds to meet him, until that very day, keep on connecting keep doing life together. I just want to make a few observations. Again, I haven't had breakfast this morning. My stomach is grumbling, so this is going to be pretty quick. So what I'm going to do is going to make a few quick observations and I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to dare you. I'm going to double-dog dare you to put them into practice week in, week out. Within our families, within our social networks, with the neighbors around us, with those that we work for or who work for us, or we work alongside with. But most of all, we do it here in this house as we choose to thrive together. If we're going to do life together, if we are going to grow in our connection, if we're going to deepen in community, if we're going to strengthen our unity and our ties, the first thing we must consider is that word consider. The Bible says, so let us consider. If you're writing down notes, just write that word down, consider. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Don't give up meeting together. Some people get in the habit of doing that, but encourage one another and do it all the more as you see the day approaching. But all of that is predicated on our ability to first and foremost consider. Consider means we think about it. Consider means we talk about it. Consider means we're deliberate. Consider means it won't happen just naturally. This will require effort. Come on. Doing life together, come on, and thriving in community will require our effort and our attention. It doesn't just happen naturally. We first must consider. Now you're looking at me and say, What? Well, but Dan. Didn't you just tell me a few minutes ago that our desire to know and to be known, to grow in community, is intuitive, it's instinctive, it is the cry of every single human soul? Yes, this is true. But we need to understand that we live in a culture. We are all growing up within a society that doesn't necessarily hold these values very highly. In fact, I would propose to you that we live in a culture Instead of drawing us together, it's consistently and continually pulling us apart. We live in a culture full of currents and rips and tides, of individualism, of consumerism. It's all about me and what I want. And unless we are very deliberate, unless we are very considerate, we will find ourselves caught up in this current, caught up in this rip, caught up in this tide, being pulled away from one another. Come on, we live in a society. You know that in 1976, about 15% of houses were single dwellings. Or in other words, 15% of houses had someone in there living by themselves. Fast forward now to 2013, the last kind of census taken, that figure is just under 30% now. Just under 30% of houses just have someone in there living by themselves. Or in other words, as a society, we are just getting more and more used to doing life alone. We go to work, we see people, but we come home alone. We go out and eat with our friends, but generally we come home alone. We live in a society, in a culture, with currents and rips and tides trying to pull us away from one another. We must first and foremost be incredibly deliberate and considerate. And how do we do this community thing? How do we make sure we not only connect, but deepen our connection from year to year and from season to season? How do we not get stuck up in one of those currents, rips, and tides? Uh, I've never been caught in a rip before because I'm afraid of the beach because I'm Asian. And um, have you ever watched like Bondi Rescue on TV before? Who's ever seen an episode of Bondi Rescue? It should be more aptly called dragging random Asian people out of the surf. Have you ever seen it before? Every single week is the same basic thing that happens, brother from Korea or from Mongolia kind of comes along first thing off the plane, goes to like a, um, a souvenir store, buys some board shorts with an Australian flag on it, starts splashing around in the water, gets caught in a rip and doesn't know it but is getting dragged out into the open ocean, he begins to drown, Hoppo jumps in, drags him out, ho, oh, 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 thank you, he's so very, very grateful and then and that's, that's basically every single week, dragging random Asian people out of the surf. And because of that, as well as the fact that sharks like Chinese food, I stay away (laughs) from the the beach and the ocean in general. But I've heard from some of my friends who aren't afraid of the ocean that there are such things as currents, there are such things as rips, there are such things as tides. And we have to understand that in the culture we live, there are currents and rips and tides. And they are counter to what? God's desire is so often for us in community. Amen? We have to be considerate. That's the reason, that's one of the reasons why I love, 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 love Pastor Kath and Pastor Tony. You just see these two in their lives and you see their thought processes, you see their values and how consistently they wrestle with how do we take this church from being a large gathering of people to becoming a point where people feel genuinely connected. How do we help people in their journey, not only just learn more about God from a distance, but come into a family where they experience God as a loving Father? How does this happen? This church is considerate. We too must be considerate. As we think about our schedules, as we think about our priorities, as we think about our program, as we think about our time, come on, we must be considerate in how we make sure that together is a top-of-the-list priority. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. The second little reflection is this idea of spurring one another on. Spurring one another on. If we are going to grow in this together, we must be brave enough and bold enough and countercultural enough to come to this problem with a desire not to be served, but to serve. This is the game changer. Let us consider how we may spur, come on, one another on towards love and good deeds. In other words, for us to grow in community, for us to deepen connection, our desire, first and foremost, must not be our personal win, but the win of somebody else. Now, now that flies in the face of what is often preached in the world that we live in. It's all about you, you've got to get yours. You know, if, if, you, if you want to make it, you, you've, got to, you've got to dedicate it, dedicate to it, and then, and then you'll see your victory. So often in society, we find ourselves tuned into wwi WI, what's in it for me? So that's an awesome dad joke. But basically, we're tuned into always asking this question, hey, what's in it for me? And then the Bible shows up and speaks a different word. And said, if we're going to grow in community, we must be in this, come on, for others, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. You know, last year they added to the Oxford Dictionary the word selfie. We live in the selfie generation. The other day, I was at at the movies with my wife. Um, Because I travel on weekends and speak, I spend a lot of time at home during the week. So my wife and I go to this amazing seniors uh, movie session every week. And it's $10 and you get free tea and coffee and and we went along and so we're hanging out with seniors and no word of life we saw a lady who um, would have been at least 65 years old and she was there in the movie with her phone doing this she was taking a she was taking a selfie but we live in a world in so many ways that's really doing that we're just so self-obsessed now my gut feeling is that The the selfie didn't bring about our self-obsession. It just exposes something that's always been there. And that's the reason the Bible rings ever true. If we're going to really grow together and become the people we were destined to be together, we must come to this, not ourselves focused, but others focused. How can I spur someone on towards love and good deeds? How can I fight for my brother? How can I fight for my sister so they see their victory and in turn, I get to celebrate with them? And as people do that around me, I become a part of something so much bigger than myself, which will bless my life more than anything else in this world, which will reward my days more than anything else ever could. But the grand goal was this: the glory of God in heaven, the sake of a broken world. How do I do this together? I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to dare you. I'm going to double-dog dare you. When you come along to church, make that decision. I'm going to get. I'm going to glean. I'm going to gain from this community, but this is not my primary objective. Come on. My question is, how can I make a decision to do this together for others? Amen? In fact, Jesus would go as far to say, you know, real love, real love is this when someone lays down their life for somebody else. Love that is self-seeking. Love that is self-serving. Love that desires just a profit for oneself. That is common. But the kind of love that will change the world, the kind of love that Jesus wants to see grow in us and through us is a love that's about, amen, others. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good Deeds. Don't give up meeting together. That's the next little point. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just tap your neighbor and tell him to wake up and say, "Hey, don't give up on me. Don't give up on me. Don't give up." There's actually in the corner there (laughs) her husband like smack like like this like this kind of like woke a wife up and woke his wife and goes, "Hey, don't give up." And she's like, "I'm thinking about it." And so, (laughs) sweetheart, let's talk about after. We'll pray to get yeah. All right, so. Don't give up. Don't give up means we have to persevere with one another. Don't give up means we're going to let each other down at some point. We're going to fight, but we need to learn how to forgive. Don't give up means we've got to start this journey, but with a view to finish this journey together. Come on, don't give up. Again, it's so countercultural, isn't it? So often people just give up so easily. Uh, I I, I launch into this and and I want to be all about it but then the the feelings fade and then I give up. I join up and I start walking forward but then someone says something, someone does something, the bitterness starts to brood. That unforgiveness takes root and then before I know it, I give up. For us to grow together, we don't only need to be considerate, we don't only need to come with others in mind but we also have to Come with a, an understanding that at some point someone's going to annoy you, but we don't. Come on, give up. Uh. One of the most heartbreaking kinds of conversations that I have at church are uh, 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 the conversations I have with people who want to disconnect from the community. And they, they always feel like they need to give me their, their, their 20 cents worth before they walk away and go, I'm just so sick and tired of people here at church. They're just so judgmental. And well, you're kind of being judgmental, and so, but that's okay. No, no. And, it goes, and it's more like the hypocrites. Well, technically, yeah, because you're judging people, and you don't even know you're judging people, so that makes you a hypocrite. So yes, there are a lot of hypocrites around. And so basically, getting offended at church, this is par for the course. One of the things that we need to break is this this mentality that this place was meant to be perfect, that people were meant to be perfect. We are far from perfect. In fact, the closer we get to God, the more our imperfections are seen. Christian community is understanding that we have a perfect God who loves us warts and all and just as that grace is extended to you as is, it ext- is it extended, come on, to your brothers and your sisters and in the light of that we make a decision to not give up the apostle Paul preempted our feelings of frustration with one another in the book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 when he says bear with one another, you've got to bear with each other, bear with me you know Or in other words, at some point, someone's going to step on your toes, rub you up the wrong way. You know, I know fellowship is two fellows in a ship, but if you've ever been in a ship with somebody else for long enough, they're going to really annoy you after a while. Come on. At some point, you're going to annoy each other. But then he says, bear with one another. Hold on with each other. Fight, but learn how to forgive. Wrestle, but hug at the end. Come on, don't give up on each other. He says, this is how you bear with one another. Bear with one another, forgiving each other, just as Jesus forgave you. Or in other words, if we want to learn how to really do this over the long haul, if we really want to grow with this together, we have to learn how to bear with one another and forgive each other. Come on, let someone else off the hook. And if you want to know how to do that, think about Jesus. Or in other words, the only person who is exempt from the discipline of forgiveness in this room is the person who has never done anything before God needing forgiveness. Is there anyone here this morning? Not me. I was a faltered, frail, and fallen fool. And then Jesus picked me up. And in the same way, Jesus challenges us to forgive each other. And here's the beauty of forgiveness. Forgiveness brings freedom into your life. There's a, um, there, there, there's, there's a wonderful Chinese proverb. Chinese are great at manufacturing proverbs. <laughs> that, um, and, and the proverb says this, that, that when you launch or take off on a journey of revenge, make sure first you dig two graves. Yeah. Or in other words, if you want to hold bitterness in your heart, if you want to take somebody out, you will most likely achieve your goal. The problem is, in doing so, you kill yourself as well. You waste your life holding on to something you were never meant to hold on to. You thought that someone else's harm would bring about your health, and it doesn't. First, dig two graves. I love how the Bible suggests a different principle. That if you would make a decision to launch on a journey of forgiveness, you can expect two pardons. The first person to be pardoned is that faltered, frail fool who let you down. But the other person who's going to be pardoned is you. You're going to be freed, come on, and released into embracing the life that you were actually meant to live in all of its color, in all of its splendor. But we must learn how to, amen, forgive. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another. Last little point, and then we're going to have a big collective protein shake. (laughs) Let us encourage one another. My last challenge to you is to, come on, encourage one another. Encourage literally means to speak life into somebody else's experience. Encourage one another. Encourage literally means that We so often find ourselves and others in a dark place, it means that we would make a decision to go into their dark place and turn the lights on. Come on, encourage one another. How amazing would it be if at Victory Church, encouragement became our natural and native tongue? Come on, encourage one another. That's the reason the proverbist would say in Proverbs chapter 18, I think it says, that in your mouth there is the power of life and death. In your tongue, you can ruin a a life. With your tongue, you can resurrect one. Come on, and we would make a decision within this community, come on, to speak life. Come on, speak life over one another. Encourage one another. He's excited. Don't worry, I'm feeling how you're feeling right now. Come on, encourage one another. Encourage your leaders. Encourage your pastor. Encourage your husband. Encourage your wife. I'm challenging the men here in this room. Come on, encourage your wife on the way home today. He'll be sitting there. It's going to be a little bit awkward. And he's going, to hey, honey, I, just, I, I think you're all... And, and then your wife will get angry at you. Because he's just doing... You're saying... He's going to gently it, and, then, and then he goes, you know what? It's right. He, he told me I need to encourage. But you just watch me every single day of your life. I'm going to... And come on. Speak life to one another. No one has ever been killed from being over-encouraged. But many a soul has suffocated for lack of it. Encourage one another. That's great. It's awkward, but it's always eventually awesome. Yeah, good, right? I'm challenging you. Learn how to disconnect from that narrow train of thought that we so often find ourselves on that's just thinking about where I'm getting, where I'm going. Lift your eyes, open up your hearts, and then open up your mouth and encourage. Encouragement is oxygen to the soul. And I believe much life will be spawned here in this church. And there is much life still to be spawned in this great city of Adelaide. And the way that God wants to do that to a large degree is through the words that we speak of life. Come on. Encourage one another. Can we do that together? Listen. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. Let's hang in there with each other, and make sure we encourage one another, and do it all the more as we see the day approaching. Can I hear a good amen? amen. I got to get done because now my timer has gone into the red, and there's a big trapdoor here on this stage, <laughs> and um, and uh, I don't want to fall into that trapdoor. But let me wrap our time up together and say this. What you have here at Victory Church in this corner of Adelaide is a rare and precious jewel. How you end up with this rare and precious jewel, I don't know. That's somewhere found within the mystery of the grace of God. You are just one. But this rare and precious jewel Will just increase in its value in the years to come. You have everything that you need on paper. You have a God who is on your side, who smiles over you every day. You have a spirit who is as powerful as it has ever been. We have world class leaders with a world class team and a world class culture and a world class ethos. We have everything we need, my friends, on paper. Now we need the people, a people who would say, let's do it together. I'm going to consider how we make this a priority. And I'm also going to really think about how to not get caught up in this current, this rip and tide of of, of individualism. I'm going to be in this for other people. And as they win, I win. As they celebrate, I celebrate. As they cry, I weep as well. I'm in this with others. And I'm not going to give up because sometimes it's hard to hold on, but I just know that if I don't give up, we're going to see our victory in the end, and as well as that, I'm going to speak life, I'll speak life, I'll speak life. I'll do this together. I remember reading a book a number of years ago called Into the Wild, and um, it's a semi-autobiography of a young man named um, Christopher McCandless. He was a young guy growing up in middle-class America who did what a lot of people dream of doing, just getting rid of everything and just going into the wild and not being encumbered by the things of this world just to enjoy beauty and to enjoy creation. And throughout his journey, he kept a journal. Sadly, he only lasted a couple of years. He died from food poisoning um, after a couple of years in his journey. And they found his body with a journal, with this journal. And people were really interested to see what he reflected upon during this journey going into the wild. And this journey talked about, this journal talked about how he had int- incredible interactions with creation, the sun rises, and the sun sets, some of the wildlife, some of the, the, the peace that he found that he had never experienced before. But the only times in that journal he ever exhibited genuine happiness was when he intermittently crossed paths with other people. And then he coined this phrase, and I love it. Therefore, I conclude happiness is only real when it's shared. I love that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful because it's biblical. God wants us to live a happy life. Not like a ha-ha-ha happy life, but a happy life that is full, come on, a a life that is rich, come on, a life that is abundant, come on, a life that is overcoming, come on, a life that is victorious, come on, a life that is healed, a life that is whole, a life that is of purpose, a life that is of worth, a life that leaves a legacy, come on, he wants us to live this life, but it only becomes real when it's shared. My heart's hope, my heart's prayer is this, Victory Church would march forward into the next 20 years, but more than anything, they do it together.